Welcome to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. This is the place for Christian fathers, husbands, and those who love them to find the inspiration, grace, and guidance to help you live God's will for your life and finish your race strong. We share scripture readings, prayers, and advice to help you in your personal and professional life. Now pop in the earbuds or turn up the volume and let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to Dad Devotionals. I'm Dave Domzowski, and this is part two of our book study on Raising Them Right, a saint's advice on raising children. And this is by St. Theophan the Recluse. You can grab your copy at daddevotionals.com if you haven't already. You can head over to daddevotionals.com slash raising them right, all one word, and you can pick up your copy right there with my Amazon affiliate link. So today we're going to discuss chapters one and two of the book on uh, the Christian adult and baptism and repentance. Um, it's going to be the focus of our study today. You know, I, I really found the beginning chapters of the book to be very enlightening. So when you go and pick up your copy, please dive right in right away and then maybe come back and listen to this episode because hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's get right into this. So in chapter one, again, it's titled The Christian Adult. We, we see this idea of active wisdom. And the saint says this, is the very going toward God, the very walking on the path of Christ's law already necessary? And will it be successful merely because we desire it to be? This is one of the first questions he asked us on page 12 here. And he says, no, besides the desire, one must have the strength and knowledge to act. One must have an active wisdom. So when I think about this, you know, we, this is something that we have to acquire. This isn't something that is just going to be freely given to us. We have to actually go through the steps that a Christian would to acquire this. We need to acquire the Holy Spirit and, and have this be something that we, that, that we come to, not just something that it's like, oh, we read a book and all of a sudden we have active wisdom. No, we need to go and pursue this wisdom. Uh, he also continues with this later on. Consequently, it is necessary for someone who already has the desire to walk on the indicated path to the Lord to be shown in addition all the deviations that are possible on this path so that the traveler may be warned in advance about this, may see the dangers that are to be encountered, and may know how to avoid them. So the saint is acknowledging to us that, hey, it's not natural for us to live in Christ, no matter how much we may want it to be. Uh, instead, it's something we have to fight for. And we have to expect detours and deviations and arrows from the enemy to be thrown at us. And he, and he, and he says this to us, further, suppose that Christianity is received as a law. The resolution is made to live a Christian life. This seed of life, this resolution, is not surrounded in a man by elements favorable to him. Besides this, the whole man, his body and soul, remain unadapted to the new life, unsubmissive to the yoke of Christ. Like I said, it's not natural for us to do this. Um, we have to begin to live this way and then pray for the acquisition of the Holy Spirit, pray to God every day and every task that we have 
to acquire this mindset, put on, put on Christ every day like we've talked about before, the mind of Christ, the armor of God <clears throat> to defend us against all these things. Yeah, and he talks about the growth in plants, for example, and how it's a gradual development, right? It's something that, you know, when, when it's springtime comes, we see the grass grow or, or we see, you know, plants grow. It, it, it takes time. It's not just something that happens right away, but it's something that we can expect to happen. Um, but that's not, that's not how it works with uh, the Christian faith, right? You know, instead, it's something that it's, uh, he says on page 14, it's a battle with oneself, a battle with oneself involving much labor, intense and sorrowful. And he must dispose his faculties for something for which they have no inclination. Again, back to the point, it's not natural for us. Like a soldier, he must take every step of land, even his own, from his enemies by means of warfare. Think about that, spiritual warfare. With, a, with the double-edged sword of forcing himself and opposing himself. How many of us have that inner battle, right? That inner battle where it's like, well, you know, I kind of know what the right thing to do is, but I'm going to go and do this wrong thing anyway. Uh, I know we all, we all have that inclination. Whatever our, uh, our, our sin may be or our cross may be, we have that natural inclination. Why? That's why it's so hard. Because the devil knows where to prick us, what, what to put in front of us, what thing to have somebody say to set us off or what thing to watch on Netflix to get us going. Um, and then he says later, such is the place in us of the Christian life. The life has three stages. So there's three stages where we're trying to get to the end goal here. Um, turning to God, purification or self-amendment, and sanctification. In the first stage, a man tur turns from darkness to light, from the domain of Satan to God. In the second, he cleanses the chamber of his heart from every impurity in order to receive Christ the Lord who is coming to him. You know, when we think about um, Christmas, which, you know, it's a couple months ago at this point now, but we think about preparing our heart to receive to receive the, the infant Christ, right? We're, we're trying to make a home for him. Uh, we don't want to turn him away. <laughs> we want to make a home for him, make it something that he can, he can rest in us and then grow in us. Um, and then in the third, the Lord comes, takes up his abode in, in his heart and communes with him. This is the state of blessed communion with God, the goal of all labors and ascetic endeavors. I mean, this is a saint talking to us um, who knew asceticism. I mean, that's, that was one of the main things he did, especially towards the end of his life. If you read the intro about his life in the book, um, he knows what he's talking about. And this is as much applicable to 21st century America or wherever you're listening from as it, as it was when he, when he wrote these words. And as you know, and, and this is obviously the theme throughout all of Christendom, right? Um, so this begs the question then, uh, how does the Christian life begin in us? And one of the things he stresses in the remainder of this chapter is a zeal and an enthusiasm. You know, this, you talk about a passion, like a passion for living in Christ. And he calls it uh, active zeal to please God alone in a Christian matter with total self-sacrifice 
and hatred of everything which is opposed to this. And so when this ardor of zeal begins, Christian life has its beginning. And the person in whom this ardor is constantly active is one who is living in a Christian way. So it sounds like if you don't have the zeal, you're not living in Christ. Um, This is something that is active. Again, it's an active wisdom. It's an active zeal. It's something you have to do. It's not just something that passively happens to you. It's something that you have to choose every day. Choose every day to put on the mind of Christ. Choose every day to put on the armor, the sword of the spirit, um, and, and interact with people as Jesus would. You know, we have a spot too where on page 16, the apostle Paul says this, do not quench the spirit and not lagging in diligence, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And St. Theophan continues, he commands this to all Christians so that we might remember that the fervor of the spirit or unslothful striving is an inseparable attribute of Christian life. And another, in another place, he speaks of himself thus, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And to others, he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Um, right after, and I, and I found this particularly interesting, he says, uh, this means that in Christian life, the result of the fervor of zeal is a certain quickness and liveliness of spirit with, with which people undertake God-pleasing works, trampling upon oneself and willingly offering as a sacrifice to God every kind of labor without sparing oneself. So again, that activity, that that zeal, um, that pursuit, running, all these are action words where we are are joyous. We are are running toward God. Um, And then when when I I found this particularly interesting, especially for those, my Orthodox brethren who are listening, you know, the the part where where he says, with which people undertake God-pleasing works, trampling upon oneself and willingly offering as a sacrifice to God every kind of labor without sparing oneself. I, I took that uh, almost as to mean when we sing uh, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. And we'll be, we'll be doing that in a very, in, in a few short weeks, actually, for, for, for Pascha. Um, but we're trampling our own death, right? We're trampling our down our debt, our, our, our self. We're dying to self, trampling down death by death, every little day, dying more and more to ourselves so that we can live in him. So I thought that was uh, a kind of an interesting <clears throat> way to think about it. And then just to, just to wrap up this section, uh, I want to offer two more, two more aspects. Um, well, maybe three more, actually. So on page 19, he has this great quote from St. John Chrysostom. Everywhere we must have fervor and much fire of the soul, prepared to be armed against death itself, for otherwise it is impossible to receive the kingdom. Um, and then he offers a great example, great illustration. And, you know, we always see the, 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 the idea of the soldier and the athlete. He says, a merchant, a soldier, a judge, or a scholar has work which is full of cares and difficulties. How do they sustain themselves in the midst of their labors? By enthusiasm and love for their work. 
and one cannot sustain oneself by anything else on the path of piety either. Without this, we will be serving God in a state of sluggishness, boredom, and lack of interest. Zealous pleasing of God is the path to God, which is full of consolation and gives wings to the spirit. Without it, one can ruin everything. And then a final point from this chapter, and then I'll do a little bit of commentary on it, is a man builds a little in his new order of life and then throws it away. And how can it be otherwise? There is no strength. It is characteristic only of the eternal power of God to support us, unchanging in our disposition in the midst of the unceasing waves of temporal changes. Therefore, one must be filled abundantly with this power. One must ask for it and receive it in order, and it will raise us up and draw us out of the great agitation of temporal life. So the way I think about that is, <clears throat> one, we can only do this with God. We, we, need, we need his help, obviously. Um, but we have to bring to the table an enthusiasm a love. You know, we, we, we have to not just walk the path, not just crawl the path. We have to run on the path. We have to be joyous, wake up and just be joyous about everything that we do, about our work, about things with our kids, about things with our wives. We know if I have some, some ladies listening to this too, you know, things with your husbands, your significant others, like we need to bring this zeal, bring this active wisdom um, to the table every day. Uh, And we can only do this through God. But as he says, zealous pleasing of God is the path to God, which is full of consolation and gives wings to the spirit. Without it, one can ruin everything. You got to have that. If you don't, I mean, think about things that, I mean, I know if I'm not into something, if I'm bored with it, if I don't bring my A game, I'm not going to, sh- I don't show up very well. You know, this is, this is saying this, this isn't just showing up on Sunday and standing there, sitting there, kneeling. This is showing up every day. 24, 7, 365, 366 on leap year. It's just showing up. And look, this is a saint saying this. This isn't Dave Domzowski, Um, because God knows I don't live this either. I'm not sharing this as like, hey, this is what I do now, uh, you know. Good luck with it. No, I'm saying this is someone, hey, chief among sinners, uh, chief among guys that don't do this. (laughs) So I'm right there with you. Um, And to me, this is something where, hey, let's band together. Let's encourage each other. We're we're brothers in Christ. Iron sharpens iron. Let's let's, um, figure out how we can do this together because there's strength in numbers. And when two and more are gathered in, in Christ's name, there he is. So let's commit to that today. What do you think about that? Uh, let me send me a, send me a message. I want to know. I want to know your response. All right. Now I want to turn our attention to chapter two: baptism, the adult, and the child. Uh, in the beginning, uh, the saint talks to us about how we fall into this trap of trusting ourselves. We think that we can live a spiritual life with God we got this, you know, this is, this is all about us, but anyone who has tried this, myself included, has inevitably failed. I, like I said, I've tried. Um, I've had very many vain attempts here and there of just not 
not being able to pull it off, no matter how, how enthusiastic or how much fervor, how much zeal I might've had in the beginning. Uh, we can never do it without him. Um, but the beautiful thing is, is that he gives us some tools and some concepts of how we can do it with him. And it comes down to that word that we hear often, grace. Uh, he says this, therefore, if you desire to begin to live in a Christian way, seek grace. The minute when grace descends and joins itself to your will is the minute when the Christian life is born in you. Excuse me, powerful, firm, and greatly fruitful. So think about that. You can't do it on your own. Um, but you are, you are starting down the path and God comes there to meet you. You know, I, I think about that, uh, that imagery where you're walking along the beach and Christ is there, but then all of a sudden, you know, you're having problems and you only see, you know, instead of the two um, uh, footprints, sets of footprints that you see on the beach, you only see one. And, and Jesus says, well, that was when I carried you. <laughs> so in very many ways, we're going to need Jesus to carry us on this, you know, like, like, a, like the, the superstar teammate, um, he's going to need to carry us. So, so grace descends and joins itself to your will. Now, this is about, as I said, this is actually about not just the Christian, this is about the Christian adult uh, and baptism, but also about the child. And that's what, I mean, raising them right. This is about children. I, I like how this thing kind of gave us a little bit of a uh, of an intro on, hey, as the parent, this is where you should be. And if, if not, uh, you might want to catch up a little bit because you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to model this and help your, your son or daughter with it. So the next section of this chapter is on page uh, 20, 25 says how the Christian life begins in the sacrament of baptism. Um, so we see that, uh, we see that baptism has a very powerful effect. If you continue on to page 26, baptism delivers us from evils, all these evils, all these evils and, and issues of Satan. It takes away the curse by the power of the cross of Christ and returns the blessing. Those who are baptized are the children of God as the Lord himself has given them the right to be. And this is from Romans and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And then he, then he continues on on page 27. And so the whole activity of a person by the power of baptism is turned away from oneself and sin and towards God and his righteousness. So the whole theme is you're, you're constantly reorienting yourself. And um, he, he says this, remarkable are the words of the apostle that we should no longer be slaves of sin as well as his other words, sin shall not have dominion over you. This gives us to understand that the power which in our disordered fallen nature draws us towards sin is not entirely exterminated in baptism, but is only placed in a condition in which it has no power over us, no dominion over us, and we do not serve it. But it is still in us. It lives and it acts, uh, and, and we do not serve it. But it is still in us, it lives and acts, only not as a Lord. 
The primacy from now on belongs to the grace of God and to the soul that consciously gives itself over to it. So we make that conscious choice not to give ourselves over to it, not to be succumbed, not, not to succumb to it. Um, and then from there, you know, he also gives great consideration to baptism for infants. And when we consider infant baptism, the, the, the idea here is that the, the infant, the boy or girl will eventually live a life in Christ of their own choosing. It's the responsibility of the child's parents and sponsors to ensure this, model it, and encourage the child along the way. So we, you know, we have a very, um, very great responsibility, especially if we're baptizing our infant children. So just something uh, to think about. Uh, I do want to, let's see, I, I do want to, I do want to offer this as well. For the sake of this future free dedication of himself. So that's what I was just talking about. You know, the, the infant, when they become older, will freely dedicate themselves when they're able to do so at, 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 by the age of reason. Um, for the sake of this future, free dedication of himself to God and the coming together of freedom and grace, divine grace gives everything to the infant. And even without him, it produces everything in him that is natural for it to produce with the promise that the essential desire and dedicating of himself to God we will, will be performed without fail. Um, so that is the goal. Um, so how does that happen? So he, he, he talks about the idea of seed of life in Christ. So the baptism places a seed of the life in Christ and in the infant and exists in him. Um, it acts as an educating power in him. So, you know, that's, you know, I, I know some uh, guys who may not be uh, uh, Catholic or Orthodox may not understand, you know, why do we baptize infants? I was baptized as an infant. Um, we baptize my kids as infants now that we're Orthodox. Um, but why do we do this? Well, because from the very beginning, they are, they are what the saint says. They had this educating power in them. And then they are surrounded by the, the life of the church. And then it, eventually, you know, they get to decide, hey, I'm going to actually live this out you know, and they still get that choice. It's still, they still have that free will element. Uh, so, and to kind of, to kind of wrap up here, the scene tells us that if this attitude is manifested in act, there are further given all the other gifts of grace and all the characteristics of one who is dwelling in grace, the favor of God, the co-inheritance with Christ, the dwelling outside the sphere of Satan, out of the danger of being condemned to hell. Uh, and so the whole attention of those who have the obligation of preserving whole the Christian child who has been received from the font should be directed to not allowing sin in any way to take possession of him again, him or her, to crushing sin and making it powerless by every means, and to arousing and, arousing and strengthening the child's orientation towards God. So we model that orientation by, you know, um, by living a better life by running towards God, by having that zeal, that active wisdom and obtaining that, and then having um, God instill us with that grace. And then we can help model that for our children. So the goal of our baptism at the end of the day is really comes down to, uh, really comes down to this. So the aim towards which everything in this process should be directed is this, that 
this new man, when he comes to awareness, might recognize himself not only as a rational and free man, but at the same time as a person who has entered into an obligation with the Lord, with whom his eternal lot is joined inseparably, and that he might not only acknowledge himself to be such, but might also find himself capable of acting according to this obligation and might see that this preeminent attraction is to this. And then we think about our, our, our communion down the road, our, our communion in God, and what, the, what receiving the body and blood of Christ does. It sanctifies us, gives us peace within ourselves, and makes us inaccessible to the dark powers. So we baptize children in the Orthodox Church so that they can also receive the holy mysteries and be, um, be protected from all, those, uh, from all those dark forces. Because like St. Paul sa- says, our battle isn't just against, isn't against flesh and blood, but the principalities, the rulers of the dark, of the dark forces. Um, and this is actually pretty interesting. He shares this anecdote. One doctor from his own observation testifies that for the most part, when there are illnesses in children, that children should be taken to Holy Communion. And very rarely does he have, have need to use later any kind of medical help. So when you think about, you know, things with the, the ongoing situation for over the last two and a half years, going to the cup, going to the chalice, getting that, that communion, getting those healing powers, it, it, it supersedes anything that goes, on, that goes on here on earth. Um, and so just to wrap up, I want, I want to leave you with this. When the parents exert a bad influence, to some extent, mercy and condescension of God are still given to the child. But it sometimes happens that this divine aid ceases, and then the causes which have been prepared bring forth their fruit. Therefore, the spirit of faith and piety of the parents should be regarded as the most powerful means for the preservation, upbringing, and strengthening of the life of grace in children. Raising them right. Dads, you have the power. That's That's what it says to me. You have the power in your own lives. And you have the power in the lives to model it for your families and for your children. When your child walks away from, from Christ, will you take that responsibility on? Do you want to, do you want to see that? Or do you want to model it and, do, and, and know that you did everything that you can to help them acquire that grace? You know, we, we, that, that's what we're here for. That's the ultimate reason. That's our purpose here, guys, is to be that model. And I, I know that when I'm at least oriented more in that, more towards God than, than, I, um, than I sometimes am, I know things are better in, in my family. I just know it. You can feel it. Uh, so I encourage you this week, you know, think about that. Reflect on that. Listen to this again and then, and then jot down some notes for yourself about maybe... What are some ways that you can do it better? You're not going to do it perfectly, but with God's grace, you're going to do it better. That's what I want you to, that's what I want you to focus on. So thanks guys. I hope you found this uplifting and helpful. Plus, I hope you have a greater understanding of our roles as models, models for the faith for our kids. God bless you. And please do me a favor. I, I, I need your help. Okay. Please share this with a brother, subscribe to the podcast and review it wherever you listen, whether on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. I also hope to connect with you guys on social and we can fellowship there. Um, please keep sending me your DMs. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I really, it, it helps me know, to know that, that, um, 
the support is there uh, and that because it's very encouraging for me. So I appreciate that. Uh, take care. And I hope you all have a, a very blessed week. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.